Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. Hey, good to be back in the comfy, kind of small, but kind of comfortable Paxa Studios here in downtown Honolulu uh, here for the uh, Sports Animals. I'm Josh Pacheco. It is ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and uh, 1420 AM. Great to have you aboard. All of our guests, when they appear, they do so courtesy of the Aloha Kia hotline. Aloha Kia, Sia Inakia. Our guests include Dan Butterly, the commissioner of the Big West Conference, who's going to join us in about 90 minutes. Uh, Today, big news out of the Big West Conference, which we'll talk about uh, coming up in a little bit. Baseball is finally going to get a Big West Championship Tournament. Softball is going to get a Big West Championship Tournament. Volleyball, women's volleyball, will get a Big West Conference Tournament. Uh, and I'm a, I'll be honest, I'm a, little, uh, I'm a little mixed on the women's volleyball tournament. I guess there's kind of a Homer reason for it. Um I'll explain why coming up in uh, in just a little while. So Dan Butterly coming up. Michael J. Duarte from NBC Los Angeles in the 5 o'clock hour. We'll look back at Baker Mayfield. 48 hours removed from getting a job, Baker Mayfield goes in and helps lead the Los Angeles Rams to victory. Uh, Michael J. Duarte will help us explain. And Raider Nation, where are you, Raider Nation? Have you decided to go shrink like a hermit uh, after realizing that your team, led by your head coach, once again can't hold a double-digit lead? Plus, we've got tickets to the uh, Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic and the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl, which will be given away uh, sometime between 3 and 6. You can get in touch with us. You can uh, text us or Zephyr in, or no, it's, it's not. See, it happens when you're gone uh, for, for a couple of days. Our text line is at 808-296-1420. You can call us at 808-296-1420, and you can tweet us at Sports Animals, at Josh on the radio. Uh, yeah, yesterday was a, was a best-of version of uh, of ESP in Honolulu, and thank you for, uh, for, for taking it in. And, and thank you to Paul on Twitter, by the way, for correctly identifying where the, uh, the intros and the reminders of the show were coming from. Because Paul on Twitter yesterday says, it sounded like I heard some airplane noises as you were recording your uh, your intros for the best of ESPN Honolulu yesterday. That's uh, because, yeah, I was at an airport. I was at, uh, I was at, I was in Lihue waiting for my connecting flight uh, to get here. And literally with about four minutes to spare before the show started, and Tanner Hayworth did a, a great job of putting stuff together behind the scenes, with about four minutes to spare because the the flight arrived a little bit late because it left, I think, like 30 minutes late out of uh, Las Vegas. Got in there, found a quiet spot. Well, I guess it wasn't that quiet if you could still hear airplane noises from, you know, the airport. Um and just decided to rip out a couple of things uh, to, to, to make sure we could kind of update people that know. And because some of you did text in during the show thinking you were listening to a live show, it was not. Um, to try to tell people in a very nice way, 
you are not listening to a live radio show. You are listening to a best of. And so, yeah, I had to find a quiet spot at Lihue International Airport, uh, which I thought was going to be impossible because every other time that I have a connecting flight that stops in Lihue before going to Honolulu, that airport is crowded as heck. And there are so many people. There are so few. I mean, there, there are more gates than than in, in Hilo at, at Hilo International Airport, the airport, which is definitely not international in flights that leave. Um, but it, it, it gets really warm and it gets really crowded and there's like nowhere to go. And I just happened to notice both leaving here on Monday night to, to get to Nevada for, uh, for Hawaii men's basketball and coming back. It was like the calm before the uh, holiday travel storm. The calm being, I get to the airport on Monday night, and the TSA line is practically a ghost town at about 8.45, in which previous experiences have said, it is not. <laughs> and there are a lot of people taking red-eye flights. was not like that on Monday. Going into uh, uh, Harry Reid International Airport on Thursday on my way back. Never had uh, a brief stay in the TSA line. What do I get when I get there? You know, a good couple of hours before the flight. Usually I've got a long line at TSA. They're at uh, uh, what, Terminal C, whatever it is. Get there. Minimal line. Only waited for maybe like two minutes. Get to Kauai thinking it's going to be just really, really hot and really, really packed and really, really annoying with very few places to actually get something good to eat. And what do I get out of it? It's quiet. I found some place to record with very minimal airport airport noises and a Starbucks which had no line. When do you find a Starbucks at an airport that has no line? Answer, nowhere. Except for on one day in Lihue. So there were uh, there were a lot of wins. So uh, so so that's what happened uh, yesterday. That's why you had a best of. Um, that's why we're here today, uh, back here today in studio. And uh, I, I think the big kind of piece of news that people are reacting to today is what the Big West announced earlier today. Um, there will be conference tournaments coming up in the Big West in sports that have not had. We've we've heard that this has been discussed. We have heard that uh, Dan Butterly went on uh, on Gizal Hassan's uh, podcast. He, he does the CSUN play-by-play, and he said, yeah, they're looking into it. There was nothing really finalized. Uh, but then today, the Big West did indeed uh, make it official today that uh, indeed there will be conference tournaments. So baseball... We'll have a conference tournament as early as 2025. Um, softball will have a conference tournament coming up. I think they're saying as early as 2025 on that. Uh, with baseball, they still need to figure out the format, and they need to figure out the location, and they're going to hope to do that by 2023. Softball, yeah, six-team double elimination in uh, early May of 2025. They'll announce the championship location later. Uh, women's volleyball, six-team championship in late November, 
hosted by Long Beach State next season. Uh, and they'll announce future championship locations uh, later. Baseball championship format and location will be announced by spring of 2023. I did mention that. Um, and I've, and, and in fact, Jazal Hassan on his Twitter did note that uh, one place being looked at is uh, Lake Elsinore in California. And before you ask yourself, Lake Elsinore, Lake Elsinore um, actually has a minor league ballpark. Uh, and there have been, I, I think UC Santa Barbara has played some games there. Lake Elsinore has a, a, a park. It's called the um, Lake Elsinore Diamond. And they have a single-A minor league team that plays at uh, that plays at Lake Elsinore Diamond. The field opened up in 1994, and the park seats just over 7,800 people. And I, you know, I obviously wasn't covering Hawaii baseball games way back in the WAC days, but um, going back to the WAC, I mean, I remember games uh, that 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 Don Robs would call from uh, from Whole Camp Park in in Arizona. Uh, where you would have, um, you know, spring training games. And I think Holcamp Park at the time was home to the uh, Chicago Cubs. It's probably changed affiliations at this point. But um, I, I, if that's kind of where they're going, then I can understand if that's something they do consistently. Like, one of my first reactions to baseball was, where are you going to put a conference tournament? And I could think of three places where I, you know, within the conference where I could put a conference tournament uh, for baseball. One of them is obviously here because there is no ballpark in the Big West that can hold as many fans as Les Murakami Stadium um, can hold, you know, 4,000 plus fans. That would be a no brainer. Now, I really do believe that the turf has to be a conversation. And, and I know some of you have asked about that. I did reach out to coach Rich Hill, um, waiting on a response on how to, you know, on, on where the turf and the, the performance center they're hoping to build is, um, you know, is there, but you know, I, I would tell you instantly less Murakami stadium is a, if you want to make a rotation, Make that one of your places that is a rotating place for a, a Big West baseball tournament. Um, I would say Long Beach State. Long Beach State has a really nice ballpark. Uh, I enjoyed it when I was there last year. I mean, they they do it up really well. Um, I think they seat over 1,000 people. And you know what? For their ballpark, they fill it up almost every time. Great place to to take in a baseball game, and anytime Dieter Rule is playing the keyboards there, uh, it feels like you're in a professional environment for baseball. Long Beach State does it really well. Other place I would have I would have thrown out for consideration would be um, Cal Poly's baseball uh, baseball diamond, and uh, you know Baggett Stadium, which they've done some remodeling of. It hosts it. it the capacity is 3,100, 
I, I don't know why I said oh, I, I was telling someone before a little over a thousand. It's actually over thirty one hundred. Um, I don't know how often they hit capacity, but they do routinely get over a thousand people there um, at Baggett Stadium, and it's a very nice facility. In in May, kind of comfortable. Well, I guess it'll get a little hotter, but it'll be a little more comfortable than being in in L.A. or anywhere near L.A. in May. Um, but those are the, the three areas in conference where I would say you want to rotate around, rotate around these three places. Don't take it. No offense to some of the, the other baseball facilities, you know, uh, CSU Bakersfield, great people who run that facility. It's just it's not really near anything. Um, UC San Diego, kind of nice, just doesn't seat enough people. Uh, UC Santa Barbara, uh, you know, their stadium, not bad, but again, just doesn't see enough people. I don't even know if they get a thousand that are there. Um, just kind of, you know, pick your spots on where you would go. But if you don't want to go that route and you want to go, you know, the, the, the bigger route, you want to go, you know, take, take it to a neutral site and be at a place where, no one's got a particular advantage, although it's not really true because if Hawaii were to make it to a, a postseason tournament, Hawaii would always have the distinct disadvantage because it's farther away from home, to which you could do what men's basketball seems to do every year, which is be on the road for the final weekend and then just stay on the road and prolong your road trip by going to the conference tournament. Again, that just kind of happens every year. Um, Lake Elsinore is, is honestly, it's not a bad idea. Or... I would go. I would go a completely different route, and I would think back to what the WAC did, and I'll take a page out of the Big West playbook, which is, you know, if you if you want to go out of your footprint, the Big West did it for men's basketball by taking its uh, well, not just men's basketball, but it did it for men's and women's basketball by taking its conference tournament out of the footprint and taking it out of Anaheim and moving it to Henderson, Nevada. If you want to play that, then Hey, why don't you think about taking your conference tournament to Arizona? It's out of the Big West footprint. Go ahead and play it at um, go go ahead and play it at one of those uh, you know, spring training ballparks. Or hey, I don't know. How about this? Um, how about you go rent the uh, Las Vegas ballpark where the Aviators play? If you took basketball there, let's take baseball there, and let's go play at the Aviators ballpark where you might have ten home runs in a game. Because the ball just travels out there, especially when it's windy. We saw it last year in May. So um, there are options, and I'm and I'm curious. And I guess uh, um, you know Dan Butterly. We'll we'll talk with Dan Butterly a little bit later on, and and I, I want to pick his brain on that a little bit, on just kind of what they're thinking. Do they want it to be neutral site? Like I remember the whack being for a little while. Do they want it to be? Um, at a a conference location, how do they want to do it? I think I think that's going to be important for baseball. Softball, um, six team double elimination. I think my only concern at softball is I don't know that the softball tournament will ever be here. Um, I like Rainbow Wahine Softball Stadium, but softball unfortunately does not generate a lot of revenue, which is unfortunate. And I think that in itself takes Hawaii away from the potential opportunity of hosting. Um, a softball tournament when you would have to have teams traveling. Um, but volleyball, volleyball is the one that I have mixed feelings about. 
And I'll explain why I have some mixed feelings about volleyball coming up in just a little while. We'll check on surf right here. Back to the Big West tournament conversation on the other side. You are listening to the Sports Animals. This is ESPN Honolulu. I'll be honest, hadn't heard this song before until last night when we were uh, Christmas tree decorating. It is, uh, obviously, it's Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Who's it by? The Bare Naked Ladies. Who, uh, no, give it up. Keep, keep, this feels like, uh, it feels like a Christmas-themed video game is coming through your speakers right now. And it is great. Bare Naked Ladies, one of my favorite groups. Uh, they are awesome. But that's uh, that's what that is. Uh, we'll we'll throw in some more gems uh, a little bit later. It is the sports animals. I'm Josh Pacheco in for the guys. Uh, you're listening to ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Um, sports center updates here in a little bit. I'll finish the thought on volleyball and and my concerns about a conference tournament. Uh, this texter. Adds to that, texter from the 783. Any thoughts on the Big West women's volleyball during a, doing a midseason tournament to showcase the teams and help with RPI? If you were to do that, you'd be taking away from uh, a non-conference week. And if you take away from a non-conference week, let's say you did that this year, uh, you'd be taking away from, I think it was USC, who Hawaii played in the final weekend. Uh, you would be taking away that weekend for Hawaii. And for other teams, uh, that might be an opportunity to, to gain respective competition, whether you win or lose. You have an opportunity to play a power conference opponent. Uh, the Big West RPI is not strong enough to afford taking a week off for a midseason tournament, which I don't think would generally help your RPI. Um, if you're playing against one another, and what if you lose? You hurt your RPI. If you keep losing in the tournament, you keep hurting your RPI. It helps little. It hurts many. So a midseason tournament doesn't help. I don't know that a postseason tournament does either. We'll talk about that coming up next on ESPN Honolulu. Someone check on K-Dub for us, please. I, Kevin Winter has so much energy on SportsCenter, and he looked like, or he sounded like he was fighting off something. Someone, is he in Bristol or is he in Boston? I don't know where he is, but if there is a Starbucks near where Kevin Winter is located, check if they still make the caramel apple spice. Make sure he gets a mobile order of that. Maybe someone door dash it to his house or his studio. We got to take care of Kevin Winter. He's got Sports Center updates for the next couple of hours. We need him. He was even doing math on the fly. And I know what math on the fly is like on live radio. It's not very good. Poor K Dub. Uh, we'll 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 check to see if he's uh, alert and uh, and ready for the top of the uh, top of the hour sports center in about 27 minutes. Uh, I'm Josh Pacheco in for Chris and Gary. It is the Sports Animals here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 14:20 a.m. One of our texters earlier wanted to clarify their question. When they were asking about, well, um, should 
Big West do a midseason tournament to showcase the teams and help with RPI. And what the what the texter from the 783 was asking was more about a midseason tournament against another conference, not like playing against one another. Um, it depends on who. And and there's no um, – I don't know that there's any incentive for any conference to partner up with the Big West and say, hey, we'll we'll do a – mid-season tournament because again kind of like what we were saying if you did it by yourself the you hurt more than you help your mid to bottom teams get hurt your top teams could also get hurt they could get helped it depends what their other you know what their schedules like but again you're taking away a week of non-conference scheduling and you're hoping it will it will benefit maybe a couple of teams it will hurt a lot you know you know who i'm thinking of right away is i'm thinking of let's say you know the, your dream scenario this is this is the only way it would work is if you could do a mid-season tournament against the west coast conference but i don't think a mid a mid-season tournament does it um you got to match up teams and whatever, and and you've got to and and honestly, if you end up playing the same team out of your conference, you're not benefiting anybody there either. No one wants to play your your conference opponent for a third time for no other reason. Uh, what you could do is maybe say, hey, we'll we'll do some kind of scheduling alliance, do something like what the ACC and the SEC are going to be doing next year for both men's and women's basketball, and you're doing that in. November or December. But again, it will help some. It will hurt most, depending on who you play. I bring up the West Coast Conference because this year, the West Coast Conference had two teams with an RPI under 50. San Diego's advanced on. They're in the NCAAs. They've had a really good run so far. They had an RPI of six. San Diego, uh, as Hawaii fans certainly know, San Diego very good. They swept Hawaii in College Station back on August 28th. But they weren't the only ones with a good RPI. BYU, 26th in the RPI. Pepperdine, 45th. Uh, Loyola Marymount, 49th. Go to the Big West. Big West RPIs. You had just one in the top 50, and that was Hawaii at 36. So in order to, to even do, you know, some even like a scheduling alliance like that, it has to be beneficial on both ends. And you could argue if you look at it from the West Coast Conference's perspective, they'd be like, well, it's not really beneficial for us because it doesn't really help us if one of our teams is playing um, UC Davis, who had a RPI of 140 and were 15 and 15 a year ago. How is that any, any beneficial to them? You know, I, I get the bigger picture. The bigger picture here is it's another showcase of the sport. And in conference tournaments where, where anything can happen, you know, that can be kind of a, a, a big deal. I rarely play Homer. I'm going not 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 Simpson. I don't I don't I don't have any need for donuts at the moment, although I had a really good one when I came home yesterday. Um but but let me play the the homer card on this. If you're Hawaii Volleyball, you have dominated the Big West. You've won it year after year after year. You've gone to the NCAAs year after year 
after year. And you see that the Big West is outside of what Hawaii's done. The Big West is uh, eh, okay. Not bad, but okay. Let's say... Because I, I don't, I don't know what I, I think the Big West said it's going to do like a six-team format for its its conference tournament. So let's take what happened this year and let's apply it to a potential field. Hawaii would have a bye, so would UC Santa Barbara. You would have Long Beach State, Cal Poly, UC Irvine, UC Davis. Your three versus six. So let's let's take the scenario. You're playing at Long Beach. And you're going to face the four versus five, so let's go by chalk, and you'd face the four in Cal Poly. Cal Poly, for those that um, may not remember, Cal Poly beat Hawaii back on October 15th. Now, that was at Cal Poly. Hawaii did get a win against Cal Poly later in the year. Um, But what if Cal Poly makes it a second win? You lose in the semifinals of your conference tournament, then what what happens to you? You could be a team that, you know, good RPI, good enough to get in, but a conference that is normally a one-bid conference, a selection committee has to determine whether you get in, and of course you have to look at your resume, you look at your non-conference resume, your non-conference resume had you at sub-500. In conference, you don't end up winning your conference, um, does the NCAA slight you for that? And they very well could. Let's take the other scenario. Let's say, okay, let's 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 play by chalk. Hawaii beats Cal Poly. And then you get to a conference championship. You get UC Santa Barbara, be one versus two. Or you could say, well, you know, Long Beach State. Long Beach State could beat UC Santa Barbara. Uh, they'd be at home, be one versus three. And let's say you lose there. None of those teams have an RPI that is good enough to get into an NCAA tournament. You lose in the conference championship, then what happens? Hawaii in the last two years has gotten into the NCAA tournament winning the Big West, but yet in non-conference play has been sub-500. Granted, against good teams, losses against top 25 competition, but has been under 500. I don't trust an NCAA committee to look at the Big West and say the Big West is deserving of a second bid regardless of Hawaii's history of getting into the NCAA tournament because Hawaii's history speaks for itself, but really its history isn't also supposed to matter. What's supposed to matter is what you've done this year, not for the previous 29. And I would worry that if there is one slip-up that happens, if you have a really good conference year, you beat everybody or you beat almost everybody, you earn a high seed in the conference tournament, you've, you've done the work that you need to do, and then you have one slip-up in the conference tournament, and there goes your tournament hopes. A Big West tournament in women's volleyball could be beneficial for every other team in the Big West except for Hawaii. Every, all the 10 other members could actually benefit from it. Just not UH. But you also realize, and I guess you kind of have to remind yourself, everybody, you know, every once in a while, the greater good. The greater good maybe is more important than what is the, the initial thought. And, 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 that's, and that's true. Um, 
but a showcase. And I, I think the other thing is, if you're the Big West, can you get some visibility for your conference tournament? Or are you just going to be doing, once again, like school-produced broadcasts like you did for soccer on ESPN+. Plus? That's that's another thing you want to think about. Um, I'm, I'm also interested in, and, and we're going to ask Dan Butterly. I'll, I'll ask him in about 45 minutes when he joins us. Um, why... Why is Long Beach State hosting in 2023? Although I think I might be able to have some sort of an answer on this, which is I have a feeling Hawaii may not be in the hosting rotation, at least not in 2023, because it may have something to do with football being on campus. And we don't know it for sure because um, they didn't actually put out – I don't think they put out the date – for the Big West tournament, but I'm I feel very confident in saying football being on campus could get in the way of being able to host anything. Um, because if there is even the slightest conflict, you know what's gonna take precedent. Uh what's gonna take precedent is football, as you would expect it to be. And usually if Volleyball is at home. Football's probably on the road, unless volleyball's playing a Friday and Sunday. But you would imagine this is going to be probably a three-day thing. I don't know how that would necessarily work. Uh, but I have a feeling football being on campus could be one of the reasons why Long Beach State could be hosting uh, in 2023. There are some other things about it. We'll, we'll talk about it a little bit later on. Basketball, there's there's a, an interesting scheduling thing in basketball that did not happen that um, you know, we'll, we'll bring up because I do think it is a bummer um, that we won't have a return to what used to be called bracket busters. That we won't have that. And then, um, yeah, we'll, we'll get into some of the other uh, – we'll go back into some of the other sports with, with softball and, and baseball. Uh, when we come back, I got my first look at – the Dollar Loan Center in Henderson, Nevada. And I, I've, I've questioned a little bit as to whether I like the Big West being there. Being in the venue and, and taking the trip out, um, we'll, we'll talk about that coming up next because um, while my, my jury is still out on whether that is a good long-term host for the Big West tournament, it still doesn't replace one of the best things about having conference tournaments in that state to begin with. Uh, that's coming up. First, our M. Dyer Global scoreboard, which is brought to you by M. Dyer Global, moving Hawaii into the future. Um, we've had this college hockey game on our television here, Boston University and Boston College. This second period has had a grand total of, like, seven goals. Uh, I don't uh, – there's only probably youth hockey – that gives you that many goals in one period. Uh, but it's been insane. Uh, if you want to check out college hockey because you need an, an, an invite to do so, it's on uh, ESPN News and it's on ESPN+. Plus. World Cup today was bananas. Both quarterfinal matches go to penalty kicks. Croatia knocks out Neymar and Brazil, while uh, Argentina and the Netherlands 2-2. Uh, but it's Argentina that advances in penalty kicks. Neymar got one, so his uh, his career continues. Uh, those matches happened earlier today. 
And then uh, I know we got a top 25 matchup in college basketball coming up at the top of the hour. Number 18, Gonzaga taking on Washington. In the NBA, they're in the third quarter. Knicks leading the Charlotte Hornets 78-70. to Indiana Pacers up on Washington 95-87, under a minute to go in the third. And uh, 119 remaining in the third. Orlando leading Toronto 92-84. to That's your M. Dyer Global scoreboard brought to you by M. Dyer Global. Always on the move. This is the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. This Christmas And what have you done Another year over And you won't just be gone Texter from the 221 Onto our text line, 808-296-1420. After someone brought up the idea, maybe a mid-season tournament against another conference in volleyball in order to uh, um, maybe help the RPI. Texter says, don't want to get injuries mid-season against a non-conference foe going into the second half of conference. There's that, too. I, I didn't I didn't think about that. I was thinking more so numbers and um, whether the numbers actually help you or not. Um, would it make a difference? And I, eh, probably not. So why risk the injuries? It's a great point. Uh, thank you for the text. Sports Center update is in just over 10 minutes. Finally got the uh, first view of the Dollar Loan Center in H- Henderson. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Um, I, I heard someone on uh, on ESPN Las Vegas. Uh, I was, it was on uh, it was on my drive running errands uh, on on was it Wednesday or Thursday? I can't remember. But. Um, Someone had described it as a, a mini T-Mobile arena. And I've never been in T-Mobile arena, so I can't make the comparison to T-Mobile arena. But um, some of the amenities, it's really nice. Concourse level, really nice, really clean, all that stuff. Um, well done. It's it's a well done place. And you can imagine that that place has been open now for nine months and already has... Um, Indoor football, hockey, minor league hockey, and G League Ignite. All in that venue, all sharing time, and then, of course, the the Big West. One of the reasons why um, I was excited to get an opportunity to go there is because I have been a, a little bit critical of the of the decision to have the conference tournament there. Um, The one thing about putting college basketball in Vegas is the fact that you're doing so on the strip, you know, or, or, or I, you know, the Orleans is not on the strip, but you're doing so in places that are kind of hubs for, um, you know, for, for, um, for college, uh, for, for, for college basketball. So you have, you have games potentially at Orleans cause you've had stuff there, uh, Mandalay Bay, et cetera, MGM grand. They're in, in, in these well-known destinations. And the thought has always been, okay, well, you know, uh, Henderson, why, why are we, why are we putting games in Henderson? Why are we going outside of the college basketball footprint. Um, and, you know, I, I honestly, when I when I thought about it, you know, we was on the team bus a couple of times going out to Henderson uh, for, for shoot-around and then for, for the game. You know, honestly, 
not that far away. I mean, what was it before game time? Ran into traffic. What was it ultimately? Like 35 minutes with traffic, like slow, slow traffic. Um, without that, what, 15, 20 minutes, and it wasn't it wasn't painstaking. Like maybe less than that, honestly. And it didn't feel like you were going that far away. I, I think I've opened myself up to the idea of the Dollar Loan Center being a viable home to the Big West Tournament. But I'm opening myself up to that with the caveat that I think more needs to be done in order to make that feel like a home, not just a place you're renting to make sure that you've got a, you know basketball in Vegas. I've, I've always believed, be where everybody else is. So, you know, if, if, if the West Coast Conference is going to be at Orleans, then it's good for you to be at Orleans. Like the Mountain West will be at Orleans. Um, if the Pac-12 is going to be at the MGM Grand, then you know what? Maybe you should be at the MGM Grand for a few days before that. Or, you know, do uh, out-of-the-box idea here, but do what the Big Ten did one year. Have your conference tournament earlier. Get a little more exposure. Be on television. Give the committee a little more of their divided attention as compared to what is already divided when they're watching the final four days of the season and all these conference tournaments taking place. But I, I say that more needs to be done to make it a home because from my understanding from last year, it's a 6,000-seat venue, and I don't believe they were ever close to getting 6,000 people in that venue and the challenge that you have of taking your conference tournament out of the footprint of the Big West is that you run the risk of not being able to fill a venue. So, you know, being in Vegas. Um, and what, to me, you need to do is I think you need to do, do a better job of messaging. You know, especially for people who are in Vegas. So let me give you an example. As... I'm driving around or is on the team bus and you're seeing all of the messaging and advertising for these different events. Um, UNLV's event, the clash, which is at the MGM grand arena. Um, they've got Washington state and Arizona and Indiana. They're going to be there. There's another event that I think is at uh, Michelob ultra, which is at the Mandalay Bay. There's like eight teams. And I think Fullerton is one of them. And there's not a lot of power teams in, in, in that eight team field, but You've got college basketball, and you've got people who know, okay, there is college basketball here this weekend. Then I saw there's another event that had, like, four teams. So, okay, I'm seeing all this messaging just by riding on the team bus to go to shoot-around that there are all these different events taking place. What I'd like to see is the kind of messaging that gets people in, and not just the messaging on the side of the road, on the side of the buildings. I want to see television and radio messaging. Hey, come out to the Big West Conference Tournament. Check out, you know, the uh, future NCAA tournament team. Get people out there because it, it's it's great to have a 6,000-person arena. That's nice. Um, and I think it, it, it suits the Big West instead of an emptier Honda Center. But I don't think you can live in that area if you don't get any more than 3,000 on a consistent level. That's not making a home that's definitely feeling like renting and uh, their whole point with the dollar loan center 
was to create a home away from home outside of the conference fo- conference footprint for um, its college basketball tournaments. Uh, we'll check on traffic here uh, coming up in a little bit. Sports Center is on the way in about three and a half minutes. Uh, this is the Sports Animals. I'm Josh Pacheco. Dan Butterly, Big West Conference Commissioner, just over 30 minutes away. we got plenty to do to get you through this Friday. It's ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost nipping at your nose. All together now. Yuletide being sung by choir. Just, that was kind of uh, and kind of me last night. Like Did the got back, got home out of the uh, out of the airport. Made sure uh, had my glass of eggnog. Helped decorate the tree. And then took that big deep breath while watching the news. That was that was me. I don't know why this this song is making me feel like reminding me of falling asleep while watching the news. That's not what these Christmas songs are supposed to do. Those are not the kind of memories that need to be jogged by hearing chestnuts roasting on an open fire. What are we doing? Where where are we going with this playlist? Uh, I'm Josh Pacheco in for Chris and Gary. They'll uh, well no, Chris is on vacation. Gary, we'll see you Monday morning. Uh, all of our guests appear courtesy of the Aloha Kia Hotline at Aloha Kia. You know a guy. Uh, we'll talk with uh, Big West Commissioner Dan Butterly coming up in a little while. And it seems like I've had now a couple of people ask me, ask Dan why Long Beach State is hosting the 2023 Big West Women's Volleyball Tournament. Which I understand why that question is being asked because the men's tournament has been hosted here. Um, I truly believe, and again, I'm, I'm not a... I'm not an expert, but there's only one thing that makes sense as to why uh, the Big West tournament would be hosted by um, Long Beach State, and that is the potential of football on campus. Because I have a feeling that football might know some dates already, even though we don't we don't know the schedule. So uh, that would be my educated guess. We'll get a, a a better idea from Commissioner Butterly uh, coming up in just a little while. Yesterday, um, while I was on the plane coming back, and uh, I got back, I'm I'm sitting at the airport. Actually, no, was I sitting in the airport at this time? No, I was sitting in my car on the way home through traffic on the way home, and. I get this text from Tanner Hayworth who just says, OMG, Baker Mayfield just won the game. And that is certainly one of the storylines from last night's Thursday night football game between the Las Vegas Raiders and the Los Angeles Rams, which Baker Mayfield about a little over 48 hours after being claimed off of waivers by the Los Angeles Rams comes into the game after John Wolford starts. Uh, Mayfield engineers a drive that gets him a field goal in his first drive and then leads the winning drive uh, at the end of the game to defeat the Las Vegas Raiders. I think we have to ask ourselves a good question here. Um, What is the actual lead 
from, um, you know, what is the actual headline from last night's Thursday night football game? Is it that Baker Mayfield goes into L.A. and engineers a comeback to win, maybe cementing himself a starting job? Or is the headline that the Las Vegas Raiders, for the third time this year, blew a 13-point lead? They had a 16-3 lead in the fourth quarter. Lost it. Gave up, uh, what, 11 points in the final 319 to lose it. And Tanner Hayworth asks the question, why not both? I'm sorry, we can't have it both ways. This isn't like left Twix and right Twix, even though they are the same Twix. We can't have both. We have to get off the fence. We have to choose one. I don't think you can have it both ways here. I think you have to make a choice. What is the actual lead? The Raiders screwing it up again? Or the Rams maybe with a quarterback decision for now in the future? See you guys on the phones. We'll get to you in a second here at 808-296-1420. It is the Sports Animals here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Um, One texter earlier in the show said, uh, this is from the 721, Josh, I'm a longtime Raider fan, disgusted. They had no business losing to the Rams. Some fans want to move on from Derek Carr, but then you replace him? Also, I know Coach Hill and Kulin want Big West tournaments, but I'm not sure about Robin. Talking about the Big West Conference stuff we were talking about earlier. We'll get we'll get back to that in a little bit. Um, yeah, the, the Raiders, it's not that they had no business losing to the Los Angeles Rams. Look, look you're a 5-8 and eight team. I know you're on a winning streak, but you have no business saying that you had no business losing to anybody else. You're 5-8. and eight. Um, Have you watched what your team has done this year? Um, some people would say that they had no business winning or losing to you. That's the state of where you are currently. You know, Baker Mayfield's the trendy name, and he is the trendy name because he is a name quarterback, and he is a quarterback who was so full of potential and, um, you know, his time in Cleveland, and all of a sudden he's bounced around now two teams in less than a year not lasting in in Carolina and now being here. And so, you know, Baker Mayfield's interesting for that reason, but he's still kind of an unknown that we have some time to digest. And that's why the, the, the lead here from last night's Thursday night football game was not Baker Mayfield engineering the comeback. It's the Las Vegas Raiders losing another one in which they should have won. And if you had these three games with double-digit leads and they won them, the Raiders would be an 8-5 and five team. And in a West division, which has seen the Denver Broncos, um, well, look bad, the Raiders would be in a different spot in this division. But they're not. And I don't really put it on Derek Carr because I believe in Derek Carr, the quarterback. I believe he's the best fit for that franchise, and I believe he's the best fit for that city. So there's only one denominator left that you put it on, and that's coaching. And I'm not going to sit here advocating for coaching changes with a coaching staff that is one year into the job. I'm not like that. I'm not like some of you guys who are calling for Timmy Chang to be fired this year. 
This is not the fan's voice. I am not going down that hole. Um, but you do kind of have to have somewhat of a conversation about how you lose those kinds of leads late in games that could ultimately change the outcome of your season. Kirk Morrison uh, from uh, ESPN LA, he was on earlier on uh, ESPN Radio, and uh, he thinks that there could be a, a bigger conversation to be had about this franchise. Early, this team sits at 5-8. and eight. They won't eclipse the win total that they had a year ago, but more importantly, this team doesn't look like a playoff team, nor does it look like it belongs in the playoffs, the way that they've lost football games, the double-digit leads. To me, that is uh, it's alarming, especially when it happens once. You say, you know what, we messed up happens twice all right you know what we've just done we're going to fix some things but this happens continuously it's happened over it's four times at least this season where this team has given up 13 points or more uh in the second half of football games and loss i scratch my head because the only way i think you can fix it honestly is to start all the way over because i think that it's to a point now where and i think i've had this as a player fellas is you start to the doubt starts to creep into your mind as you play in a game that was Kirk Morrison from ESPN LA. Uh, you occasionally hear him on some NFL and college football games on the radio and TV side uh, earlier. Uh, I, I don't know that I advocate for cleaning house. Like, Josh McDaniels is a well-respected coach. Now, I see you wincing, Tanner. I didn't say well-respected head coach. He's a well-respected coach. I think he knows what he's doing. Um, but this is the kind of this is the kind of thing where you're not looking at the head coach. Like I'm looking at coaching staff. You know, you don't lose three leads like that late and then think, okay, we can keep our staff the same. I don't because I don't think it's I don't think it's the players. I don't believe the Raiders are a substandard football team. Um, I believe that team is, is talent wise is is all right. They were never going to be the best in the West, um, but they could at least be in the conversation. They've fallen below that, and part of it is what they've given up. So I would say, I look at my offensive staff and I look at what I might need to change. I look at my defensive staff, and I ask myself what I might need to change. It, it, and then what you do is you put it then on McDaniels, where if, if McDaniels makes these changes and these changes don't work, then guess what? You have one, or two op one of two options. You either say, all right, we need a new quarterback, we completely overhaul this and we move on, or you can finally say, it's on Josh McDaniels because if he can't fix the staff, then the buck falls with him, as it always does. And you can only blame your fellow coaches and get rid of some of those coaches for only so long. At some point, um, it, it, uh, you got to be a little introspective here. There's a difference because I know, Tanner, you put on the board Nathaniel Hackett a little while ago. Um, and, and how you said you would advocate for him not having a head coaching job and for McDaniels not having a head coaching job. Um, there is a difference, I think, between Nathaniel Hackett and Josh McDaniels. And the difference is Nathaniel Hackett 
has unfortunately too many instances in which late game decision making, just one play, just two plays, just a couple plays here, make you wonder whether Nathaniel Hackett is a coach that knows how to lead a team to win. And then, of course, what made Nathaniel Hackett's job even worse is that they needed to hire somebody to help him out with late-game situations because Nathaniel Hackett couldn't cut it in late-game situations, so they needed, like, a game manager. Kind of like what Mike McCarthy needs. Mike McCarthy needs someone who can read a clock for him because Mike McCarthy is not good with time. Mike McCarthy is the person that says, I'll be ready in 15 minutes, and then in 15 minutes, he hasn't even moved. Am I striking a nerve at home? Not meaning to, but maybe. You know what that means. He's he's that guy. Um But I don't see I, I don't see Josh McDaniels as inept when it matters. But I believe he's got staff members on his on, on his coaching tree that I think he'll need to address if the Raiders want to be at a point where you can trust that they'll they'll get there. Um Al Davis's motto that Mark Davis has to live by, just win, baby. Um, and being in Las Vegas, there being some some added pressure there, um, I don't think is necessarily taken to the extreme like I think some people want to take it to be, um, you know, being in the entertainment capital of North America. I I, I don't think that they're in that much of a, a what would you call it? a panic to make a decision there. Denver's different. Denver is much different. Las Vegas is not. Uh, Texter from the 221, some coaches are better coordinators than being a head coach. Oh, absolutely. Some coaches are better head coaches in college than than they are in the pros um, because the, the level of responsibility and maybe more importantly, the level of accountability is so much different. But, you know, as an offensive coordinator, you're... Your ability to hang on to a job lessens. As a head coach, um, you have a, a little more of, uh, of leeway to succeed and fail. Um, you're a position coach. You're a coordinator. Um, one thing goes wrong, and you're easily replaceable, and you don't make as much money. You know, you're usually working year to year. Head coaches are working for multi-year contracts for the most part. So there are um, there are differences in that, but. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know that we're at that point with Josh McDaniels. It's not like Josh McDaniels. This is his first uh, uh, head coaching job. It's not. He hasn't had a lot of years as a head coach, but I don't think I I disqualify him as being a potentially successful one, just based on one year in which they've lost three games with double digit leads. Your thoughts via our text line at eight zero eight two nine six fourteen twenty. Uh, you can call us at 808-296-1420 and tweet us at Sports Animals, at Josh on the radio. But what about that whole Baker Mayfield thing? It's not my lead, but it is fascinating. That's coming up after we take a look at traffic. Hey, uh, Call the Coach with Ron Gannat is coming up on Monday at 6 p.m. at Ruby Tuesday in the Moana Lua Shopping Center. Join me and Coach Gannat in person. Listen on the air or watch the show on our YouTube channel 
or on our other social media platforms. We hope to see you there. Traffic right now, it's busy. We've got some power issues, got some traffic issues. We've got the latest for you right here on ESPN Honolulu. Some odd news uh, that's just come from the uh, from the World Cup in Qatar. Uh, Grant Wall, who is a uh, longtime soccer reporter, uh, at one point worked for Sports Illustrated, um, Fox, I think, at, at one point in time. I don't remember. He he'd been at a um, a number of places. Grant Wall's covering the World Cup in in Qatar. He's in Doha today. The Argentina Netherlands World Cup matchup was taking place. And um, he died today. Um, his brother, Eric, was just on on uh, on Twitter, or not on Twitter. He was on Instagram. His brother, Eric, has um, put out the allegation that Grant Wall was killed in Cutter. Um, you may recall, and I and I do remember it. Thank you for. For, for jogging my memory, Grant Wall, um, when he got there, he went to, I think was going to go to one of the first matches in the World Cup, and he was wearing a, a rainbow shirt. And he was told he could not go into the venue to cover the match unless he changed his shirt. Um, there in Qatar, there is a... There are things that they are strict about, and one of the things that they do not tolerate is any kind of visuals of things like rainbows and and for for what they represent for sexuality, et cetera. And there were, it wasn't just him. There were um, soccer players that were going to put out messages of solidarity there, and they were told that if they did that, they would be yellow carded, and. Um, uh, you know, so so some of those soccer teams actually backed off of that, but uh, yeah, NPR is confirming the death of uh, Grant Wall, a longtime soccer writer, uh, who again was covering Argentina and the Netherlands today. Um, but uh, yeah, apparently uh, there's now some concern about how this happened, uh, et cetera. I don't has he has he tweeted? Yeah, he. He just tweeted three hours ago uh, at the end of that, uh, toward the end of that Argentina-Netherlands soccer match that went to uh, to extra time. Uh, bizarre, uh, just bizarre news uh, coming down here just moments ago. Uh, I, I know we have surf here. Uh, if you could check for me on, on how long surf is, uh, we'll, we'll get to surf in a second. I do want to remind everybody that we've got something important coming up. Um, in just a couple of weeks, we've got the Coaches versus Cancer Pauhana Party, December 20th at the Connie Kapila Grill. Uh, I'll be there, so come out and support the cause. We'll talk story with Hawaii head coach Aran Ganat and other participating coaches from the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic. Get your tickets for the event at hawaiibowlfoundation.org. That's December 20th 
at uh, 7 p.m. All right, Sports Center on the way right now. Look at Surf and Dan Butterly on the other side. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night. All of our guests here on ESPN Honolulu, they appear courtesy of the Aloha Kia Hotline. Uh, happy to have uh, Dan Butterly, the commissioner of the Big West Conference, uh, joining us when, honestly, he really doesn't have to. His daughter's graduating from college. Uh, Dan, congratulations to you and your family, and I appreciate you making a couple of minutes for us on a day where the Big West got to uh, got to announce some good news. Uh, this, is a, this is a good news day for you, Dan. This is absolutely good news day for me, Josh. I appreciate that. So no, nothing like uh, finishing up uh, Big West Conference meetings in Irvine, California yesterday afternoon, jumping on a red-eye flight, uh, get to Athens, Ohio, get to, to my daughter's graduation. I just finished up watching uh, her second-to-last hockey game where they won 3 to nothing. So uh, not only good uh, news on that side, but obviously we announced a lot of great news today. So excited to talk to you about it. Yeah. Um, let's see. Where do we begin? Um, I, I <laughs> mean, you know, being the men's basketball interim guy and the baseball guy right now, I guess I'll start on those two things and, and we'll start with baseball. Um, yep. I know you've probably heard the calls about the Big West being the last conference to to have a Big West tournament. So what was what did it take to get the Big West over the hump to be able to get to 2025 at the earliest um, for a, a conference tournament? I think, Josh, more than anything, it took the coaches understanding the importance of a baseball championship. I, I think that was part of the impediment, and I, I was told that when I became commissioner uh, two and a half, three years ago now almost, um, that the, the coaches really did not want to have a baseball championship. And I think there's been some uh, changes in the room uh, with the head coaches within the group, and those coaches that came in from conferences that had baseball championships understand the importance of it. Right now, Josh, unfortunately, we are, we are a one-bid league in baseball the coaches know and we've had conversations with that we have to improve our competitiveness and one of the ways we can do that is the baseball championship and there's a potential option opportunity to get a second bid coming out of our tournament so i'm excited uh, to bring the baseball championship back and you're right we were the only conference sitting out there left that did not have a baseball championship so excited to bring this into the big west it seems like uh, format and location um, and, and having a couple of years, I think that gives you the opportunity to come up with the format. I'm curious what you think about location um, because I, I've, I've heard Lake Elsinore brought up as, as you know, yep. maybe there's a possibility down the road. Do you see it as something like uh, maybe let's have it at a minor league ballpark or what the WAC used to do? I think having it at one of the spring training sites in Arizona, or do you see it as an opportunity that can go to some of the conference uh conference ballparks like a Hawaii or a Long Beach State or a Cal Poly? Yeah, I think there's a benefit to both of it, Josh. I think, one, we have some tremendous facilities, baseball facilities, within the Big West. And be able to showcase those facilities in the conference championship, I think, would be a great way uh, to, you know, really show student-athletes and potential student-athletes the, the facilities and the success we have in baseball in the Big West. But obviously the, the great thing, our coaches are interested in us exploring uh, neutral sites, and we are doing that. There's great, uh, like you said, Lake Elsinore is one that has been mentioned. The uh, Aviators Ballpark in Las Vegas has been an option that, that uh, we've uh, started talking to. And uh, obviously you've got some other great facilities around California and, and Arizona. So well, uh, the benefit of having a couple years to vet it is to find the best location for Big West Baseball, and we're going to go do that. You know, when you when you mentioned Vegas, um, and that, I think that leads me to my other question, which is, 
you know, you took basketball technically outside of the conference footprint and 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 brought it out to to Henderson. Um, in, in, in maybe to some, you, you might consider, uh, you know, a, a little bit of a leap, taking it away from, from Anaheim and bringing it in, in the state where college basketball that week is as busy as ever. Um, how much does conference footprint matter when it comes to these kinds of events? It, it matters. It is obviously you want to be a destination where fans want to go. You, first of all, is, is to improve the student athlete experience. And that's priority number one on my agenda is to improve the student-athlete experience in the Big West. But you also want to take championships to locations that, that fans want to attend. Um, obviously, you know we've got some great destinations in California and Hawaii, but the benefit that you've talked about basketball is that's the mecca of March Madness in the West is in Las Vegas. I mean, you know, pretty much every conference in the West is playing there, both their men's and women's tournaments. Uh, all of the officiating pools are right there. We can pull from the best officials in the West for our championships, whereas before that was not an option. You really had to have a limited pool of officials in Anaheim to be able to uh, work the championship. So, you know, there's, there's, as you look at every aspect of, of championship operations, uh, from student athlete experience to fan experience to officiating to facilities to cost, everything you look at in these, it was a great opportunity for us in Henderson. That's exactly what we're going to try to find in baseball as well. Dan Butterly joining us, commissioner of the Big West Conference. Uh, I got my first uh, my first taste of the Dollar Loan Center on Wednesday for that Hawaii UNLV matchup. So that was that was fun and gave me a little bit of a peek as to uh, what to expect in March. Um, the one thing that came in the announcement today that was the, really the only bummer for me was that the 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 revised attempt to bring back um, a, a bracket busters type event. Um, is not going to happen. It, it was that disappointing to you, or, or are you okay with that in order to keep the basketball conference uh, schedule the way it is? No, extremely disappointing to me, Josh. I, I can't state that enough. We were one of the conferences that were in full support of going that direction. We, we discussed with the membership back in the spring, and we, are, we got our board of directors to agree that playing two non-conference, quality non-conference games, uh, in the middle of February, as we get into a Selection Sunday, was important for the Big West as, as I try to find strategies to improve competitiveness uh, in the Big West in men's and women's basketball. That was a great opportunity for us, but uh, only nine conferences across the country agreed with that direction. Uh, Kevin Paga, who's one of the top analytical uh, scheduling individuals out there, was, was the lead entity on that endeavor, and we were very excited about it. And to find that only nine conferences uh, would jump on board, and there wasn't enough regionalization of those nine conferences to make it happen. It didn't make sense for the Big West to go out east uh, with some of our teams type type thing if uh, they weren't national caliber at that point. So it was disappointing, and obviously uh, we were one of the leaders in that group to try to jump into it, both on the women's, men's and women's basketball side. We'll continue to work uh, for strategy and, and opportunity. Uh, there was a lot of things we discussed, a lot of benefits to an 18-game conference schedule we looked at even the potential of moving the basketball championship up a few days uh, to, pro to again to try to provide fans more opportunity to, to attend over weekend dates instead of weekday dates so we're going to continue to push uh, we're going to continue to be bold in the big west and we will find a way uh, to improve uh, competition in the big west and yeah. men's and women's basketball is the door open to something kind of like um you know we're seeing the acc and the sec get together in one of those scheduling type of of things uh, replacing the acc big 10 tournament you know television being what it is are are those opportunities uh 
out there that the Big West is interested in, or is is that harder to do with, you know, conferences similar as yours in West Coast, et cetera? Where we're at right now in the Big West, it's, it's a little bit of a challenge to get a, a high-quality mid-major uh, conference to align with us uh, in that respect. I, I could go out and get another conference affiliation uh, that may not match exactly what we're looking for, maybe a little bit more difficult travel-wise. As you look at the West, there's only 65 Division One teams west of Denver. Uh, and you look at the Pac-12, Mountain West, Big Sky, uh, West Coast, Big West, and the, the WAC, and the WAC is more Texas-based now than they than they used to be. So when you look at that footprint, uh, it would be a challenge to get the Pac-12 or the Mountain West uh, to be able to play a uh, challenge series with us. But we'll continue to hunt down and see if we can get something going in that respect. We have got to do, we have got to improve non-conference scheduling in the Big West. I talked to our membership this week about we're playing too many non-Division One uh, games. I know it's a challenge to get teams to come to Big West sites, and I know we are, uh, you know, we're, we're going out and playing a lot of road guarantee games to help fund their athletic department. So uh, those are all strategies that we're looking at right now to see how we can turn the tide here with Big West basketball. You know, that was that was going to be the, the next question I was going to ask you, and Dan Butterly joining us, the commissioner of the Big West Conference. I mean, we just had Hawaii go to the Dollar Loan Center to play UNLV. Thank you to the uh, Wrangler National Finals Rodeo uh, for having that <laughs> game out in, out in Henderson as compared to the Thomas and Mack. Um, you know, but in, but in general um, – You've talked about that, and you've talked about that with me before as far as how you'd like to see um, you know, these schools try to look at their non-conference scheduling to enhance the conference. Is there anything that the conference can do? Because as you said, you have that balance, especially after COVID, with funding the departments and having to take some of these buy games. Is there anything the Big West can do to kind of kind of help what you'd like to see move along a little bit? We're starting to do that, Josh, in many ways. The, the UNLV-Hawaii game was one that was developed by the Big West office, working with our partners at BD Global. Todd Bannister on our staff, who's our director of uh, basketball operations, I brought him on in March, and he helped get that game uh, completed and, and organized. He worked with Iran uh, and Kevin Kruger and, and Brooks Downing uh, to make that game happen. So those are the things we are starting to do. We are digging deep. We are trying to find opportunities for our institutions and our teams, and they know that they can call conference offices try to assist uh in that way but we have got to look at trying to find more like uh, it, uh competition in many ways games that we can play home and homes uh games that are winnable games for us versus uh going out and uh selling ourselves to the arizonas and the organs of the world that uh you know are paying good money for our teams we've got to look at ways that we can you know those teams that have to get bought uh, can play a competitive opponent instead of a, a team that they know that they're just going to have a real tough time going to that arena and, and, and winning. Dan Butterly, the commissioner of the Big West Conference, is joining us here courtesy of the Aloha Kia Hotline. The last one I wanted to get to is is volleyball. I mean, we've seen the success of the men's volleyball tournament um, and, and obviously Hawaii leading to championships and Long Beach State has been competing for championships. How much of the men's success has led to the women now getting a, a Big West tournament starting next year? You know, the crazy thing was it really didn't have anything to do with the men's, men's uh, volleyball success. It really was women's volleyball in the Big West is very strong. And it, it's uh, interesting how, how things ebb and flow, Josh. Back in the early 2000s, uh, most conferences were getting rid of their conference volleyball championships. Uh, they would prefer to play another weekend of non-conference competition to build RPI uh, and strength of schedule. And uh, now most conferences are starting to bring their volleyball championships back. Our volleyball coaches have been trying for many years 
to get a volleyball championship back on the docket. And as we looked at and speaking to the membership and formulating strategies to present to the board of directors, the format that we put forth uh, was agreed to, and our coaches were on board with that. Uh, we're excited to get it going really quick. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna launch it in 2023, whereas softball and baseball are gonna a little bit be a little bit later. So we're working as soon as we got out of the meetings yesterday. We started working on non-conference schedules for next year for both uh, women's volleyball and men's men's women's basketball. But we know that women's volleyball is a very strong sport for us. We need to continue to grow that sport, and I think uh, having a championship and aligning with many other conferences across the country. Uh, will help in many ways, and it will allow us the opportunity to broadcast some fantastic women's women's volleyball on our ESPN Plus platform at a very important time of the season. Um, you know, one of the questions I've gotten from several people, um, you know, they saw that Long Beach State is the the host site for 2023. You know how how Hawaii fans love their volleyball here. Um, yeah, I think that question kind of came up. Long Beach State hosting, it was Hawaii kind of in the running to potentially host that first year. And, and how do you potentially see uh, host venues working out here? Josh, this is one of those stories that fans would love to hear and, you know, <laughs> to, be in the room, in, to be in the room where it happens. So what it is, it, it really is a significant challenge because women, a women's volleyball championship is Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, you're looking at that Wednesday to Saturday of that Thanksgiving time period when women's and men's basketball is dominating many of our arenas across the Big West. Those, you know, Hawaii has uh, you know, multi-team you know, tournaments, whether a men's or women's uh, tournament there at Stan Sheriff Center. So that takes out that venue, and that's across the Big West. And uh, the reason Long Beach stood up and said, hey, we'll host it in 2023 is because right now they do not have any basketball games scheduled in the facility at that point. So that's what allowed us to launch this as early as 2023 and that will be a challenge moving forward we may have to look at neutral sites for the women's volleyball championship we're hosting we're hopeful that we can get this uh on campus sites and be able to get it around uh the conference but because of a men's and women's basketball and women's volleyball trying to get our facilities during that thanksgiving weekend that's one of the challenges we face and that's why long beach ended up getting the championship this year for 2023 because they had the venue available they stepped up and said hey we'll make it happen and uh, we got volleyball to uh, you know to hit, have first uh, first serve in uh, 2023. That's a that's a great point because I'm reminded Rainbow Wahine basketball has their uh, Thanksgiving weekend uh, tournament that takes place at uh, Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center. So um, that's and those good... are very important for our, for us. I mean, it's uh, you know great trip to, for teams to come over to Hawaii at a time when most uh, colleges have that week off or a shortened week. Of classes, it's a great time to get good competition to come to Hawaii and some of our other venues across the conference. Yeah, Stanford was one of those teams that came down uh, over Thanksgiving weekend. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dan, I appreciate you giving us a little bit of time. I know we'll catch up on this a little bit more. Uh, again, congratulations on your uh, your daughter's graduation, and uh, great to hear some good news around the conference. Thank you so much. You got it, Josh. Appreciate the interview and a lot of good news coming forth. Uh, stay tuned. I can't wait, and we'll bring Dan again uh, when that happens. Dan, thank you. That's Dan Butterly, the commissioner of the Big West Conference. He, like all of our guests, appears courtesy of the Aloha Kia hotline at Aloha Kia. You know a guy. So for those of you that have asked the question and, and wanted me to ask the question, um, there's kind of your answer with uh, saying, well, you've got uh, – You've got schools that have have commitments. That's Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, it seems clear that they want to have the conference tournament on a weekend, uh, as compared to talking about earlier in the week to kind of stay with you know what you've done um, over the course of the year. Um, and if you take Thanksgiving weekend, Rainbow Wahine basketball, um, 
has a conference tournament that Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, and I believe in, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, yeah, I don't think men's basketball has had, in fact, that Thanksgiving weekend this past year for men's basketball was uh, Patty Mills North Shore Classic. And so that, that's a great point. You've got teams that are scheduling out ahead already. And, and as he said, that opened up the idea, the opportunity for 2023 to do it early enough that Long Beach State said, we don't have anything going on. So if you want to start this as soon as possible, we can be your first host. Um, but it is interesting. He did open up the possibility of neutral sites for volleyball. And I find that very fascinating uh, as part of that conversation. So uh, a lot of interesting stuff there from uh, from Dan Butterly, the commissioner of the Big West Conference. Hopefully for those of you that asked about the scheduling, that uh, that gives you a little bit of an idea of, uh, of why that's the case. All right, uh, let's check our M. Dyer Global scoreboard brought to you by M. Dyer Global moving Hawaii into the future. Got a top 25 college basketball game underway and uh, the, the, the bragging rights in the state of Washington are uh, certainly up for grabs right now. Number 18, Gonzaga, up on Washington, 36-26. to 26. Uh, That game is at halftime. In the NBA, uh, just a couple seconds left in the fourth quarter. Brooklyn's got a 117-113 lead on Atlanta. 142 to go in the fourth. Kings up on Cleveland, 97-95. Uh, under four and a half to go in the fourth quarter. Philadelphia 76ers, a 111-95 lead on the Los Angeles Lakers. That is your M. Dyer Global Scoreboard. Oh, no, I, I, I can't end the M. Dyer Global Scoreboard without bringing you uh, what happened in the World Cup today. Uh, Croatia and Argentina both advancing in penalty kicks in what was uh, a tremendous, tremendous day on the pitch. Unfortunately, some of that has been uh, tempered with the news of the apparent passing of Grant Wall, a longtime uh, soccer writer who was covering ne Netherlands and Argentina and somehow has passed away, and we're, everybody's still looking for details on that, um, what may have happened, but he apparently passed away. We've heard from his brother on social media, his wife on Twitter. Um, we'll, we'll keep following that. Uh, knowing where this event was being held in Qatar uh, certainly does raise some eyebrows for a lot of people. That's your M. Dyer Global Scoreboard. Traffic right here. You're listening to the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. You know what I need to do between now and uh, Monday? I don't know. Are we are we doing the show Monday here? Are we doing it on the road? Because we've got to call the coach on Monday. we got to figure that out. Um, we might be on the road for Monday's afternoon show. We might not be on the road for Monday's afternoon show. We are, uh, we're, we're gathering that information. But between now and Monday, um, we got to up the Christmas playlist. I'm, I'm hoping, and I'm not, I'm not going to spend all weekend listening to the Music Choice Christmas channel on my cable subscribe, uh, my cable subscribed service, because uh, I don't know. I could I could just do that on Spotify or whatever. But I feel like we've gotta we we've gotta really add so that we don't get Mariah Carey once a day. Because uh every time Mariah Carey and that wasn't Mariah Carey, I realized, but every time Mariah Carey comes up, one more hair on my sideburns turns gray. It's not good. <laughs> 
and and I'm getting grayer and grayer and grayer by the day, which is not good for someone in his mid thirties to have to admit that he's getting grayer and grayer and grayer by the day. We're gonna have to work on that. Hey, we still have Hawaii Bowl tickets. We still have Diamond Head Classic tickets. Uh, we've got a lot to do here over the final hour of the program. Uh, Michael J. Duarte from NBC Los Angeles is going to be with us in uh, hour number three. In fact, about 35 minutes. The Rams win, and and we didn't really get to talk about the uh, the Baker Mayfield portion of this Los Angeles Rams story. We'll do that coming up a little bit later on. This is the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. I asked for a building of the Christmas playlist, so uh, Tanner, because I've never heard this, or at least this version, tell me in the audience who it is that is providing this version of this holiday classic. So this is a preview of a, a Philly special Christmas. A Philly special Christmas. An, an album featuring the offensive lineman, of the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> this was all put together by the censor, Jason Kelsey, okay. who we all know is very, can I say, uh, I'm trying to think of the word. He's very out there. If you remember when the Philly, the, the uh, Phillies, the Philadelphia Eagles won the Super Bowl, uh-huh. he was the one that dressed up as the czar. He had yeah, all the yeah. grand costumes. So him, Lane Johnson, and uh, Jordan Mailata, Mm. who you just heard singing there, Mm -hmm. uh, came together to make the album. The full album comes out on the 23rd and features, you know, a couple of other Philadelphia Eagles here and there uh, from time to time. But, you know, I think it was mostly inspired because Jordan Mailata, in Jason Kelsey's words, decided to become a singer by taking the NFL route. Now, folks, uh, if you are interested in this music, please do not pirate it. Um, Download it legally. Pay the money. Pay these artists because we know they are struggling to make ends meet. These, these artists need the money they from do. the from this one. They absolutely do. Um, but I I don't I I have to square with the fact that this is being called a Philly Christmas. But we all know what Philly is known for around Christmas, don't we? This is like trying to change the narrative on Philadelphia and Christmas. Philadelphia is known for booing Santa Claus. So it's like we're trying to rehab Philly's image around the holiday season by coming out with a Philly Christmas album. Um, And I I don't have a problem with it, but I think we need to, uh, if we're going to talk about how, um, how honest the album is to the city of Philadelphia, there has to be a track about booing Santa Claus. There has to, or at least there has to be booing in some point of the album. It doesn't even have to be referencing Santa Claus. It doesn't. It can just be random booing. Um, but if we're going to be honest to goodness about Philly Christmas, sports world, there has to be a little bit of booing. If not, it's not a Philly Christmas. It's just another Christmas album putting Philadelphia's name on it, unfortunately. But if we can find more on that, unfortunately, yeah. Um if we can find more of, of that music, I'd be open to... Uh... I think there's only one other track so oh, far. Really? 
Okay. Yeah, because the full album comes out on the 23rd, unfortunately. Okay. For us. Okay, good to know. And there's a nice little like behind the scenes video I think Jason Kelsey put up. So that's that's also very fun. You get a little bit more of Jordan Mailata's uh exceptional singing skills. Of course, he is Polly, you know, former mm-hmm. rugby player. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. represents, you know, all of the, you know, all the Polly kids that you definitely know who don't look like they're, you know, they're all big, not great singers, but like all Polly kids, we all know the truth about them. They're the best singers we got. Um, in case you are just tuning in, you've missed a little bit about uh, kind of the day-to-day. Uh, we had Dan Butterly a little while ago, the commissioner of the Big West Conference. As the Big West announced a couple of news items today, they announced that basketball is not going to have that um, uh, bracket busters re- reboot. Uh, that's not going to happen, and Dan, and, uh, Dan was pretty disappointed about it um so their schedule is going to go along um as has been uh, reported previously it's going to be a um uh where do they have it here basketball oh I, I saw it here in basketball at some point i don't see it anymore but um i where is it here we go 20 game conference schedule for men's and women's basketball 2023 2024 they'll keep that because there is no uh wild card week concept um, more on that in a little while. We talked about baseball. Uh, there's the possibility of of neutral sites for a baseball tournament starting in 2025. Uh, and he did say Lake Elsinore has been brought up. He did say the Aviators Ballpark, Las Vegas Ballpark in, in Las Vegas. Well, actually more like, um, not in Henderson, um, Summerlin. It's in Summerlin. Um, that has been brought up. So um, neutral sites are talked about. In-conference sites are being talked about. Uh, Softball will have a tournament in a couple of years. Volleyball will have a conference tournament next year. And for those that have been asking, in case you missed it, Dan Butterly did say the reason why Long Beach State is hosting the Big West tournament in 2023 is because they don't have anything going on Thanksgiving week. And um, most other other teams within the conference, they might have a a Thanksgiving week multi-team event. You've got men's basketball. You got women's basketball. Schedules are are being done already. Hawaii traditionally has a women's basketball tournament that Friday, Saturday, Sunday after Thanksgiving. So it seemed the impression was long, as uh, Dan Butterly said, Long Beach State stepped up and said, um, "We can host it if you want to have one as soon as possible in 2023. We've got nothing going on Thanksgiving weekend, so we can have it." And um, that's what's going to happen. After that, we'll see kind of um, kind of how that goes. And 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 the commissioner did also say he did not rule out the idea of potential neutral sites for uh, for volleyball, like has been talked about for um, you know for 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 baseball potentially in in a couple of years. So. Uh, a, a lot of interesting things that I think uh, come out of that interview. And if you missed it, you can check it out a little bit later on um, on demand at uh, ESPNHonolulu.com and wherever you get your podcasts, the uh, sports animals on demand. I, I'm with the commissioner. I am disappointed in um, not having that that wild card week. Uh, I, I think they're probably calling that what it is a wild card week um uh bracket busters light i whatever you want to call it 
I am disappointed in that. I liked Bracket Busters, but I think when Bracket Busters was around, I, I looked at it differently. Like I looked at Bracket Busters as a really good made-for-TV event, um, but it was also a reminder of who it benefited. Like realistically, Bracket Busters um, benefited some teams. Like you, if you were at the top of your conference, you were maybe top three in your conference, and you matched up pretty well in, um, you know, whatever, um, you know, whoever you were going up against. It was a good potential RPI game. It was uh, a national television showcase. Uh, sometimes you got relegated to the app. Sometimes you didn't get television at all. But at the um, at the very least, it was a really good opportunity to be able to say, um, you know, hey, um, you're going to step out of conference and you're going to get a quality opponent. And maybe it is just enough to boost your resume. Like for me, I, I see those events. It doesn't benefit everybody, but it could be the difference, let's say, if you are, um, let's say you're a, a, a mid-major and you're coming out of a one-bid league, it might be the difference between you being a 14 seed or a 13 seed. It might be the difference between you playing in the first four and moving through to the opening round uh, that, that Thursday, Friday. Those are where I think the games kind of matter a little bit is when we start talking about how, um, you know, how it benefits. I think it also gives you an opportunity to, to play someone fresh and to get out of the monotony of um, the conference schedule. But it is also, you know, again, along Commissioner Butterly's lines of what I think he's trying to accomplish, you know, wanting to make things matter more like if you could if you could make that um wild card week if you will if, if you could make that happen i think it would behoove some of these teams to look at their non-conference scheduling and ask themselves all right well um what can we do to make that game matter a little bit more what can we do to boost our resumes I know this gets talked about with Hawaii's schedule. It's It's been brought up again with uh, St. Francis coming in on Sunday, a team that's got an RPI in the with three high 340s, low 350s, a uh, team with a with a 3-7 and seven record coming in on Sunday. Um, name me a team that doesn't have a school like that on their, uh, on their schedule. I, I'll, I'll ask that loud and clear. Name me a team who does not have a school like that on their schedule. And you'll find even the Dukes play teams like that. You heard Dan Butterly talk about you know too many Division IIs on the schedule. Hawaii, if I recall, has many times had two on the schedule in regular season games. This year, Hawaii has one. And that was HPU, and that was the game that was played as a neutral site game at the uh, Canon Activity Center in Laie. But, you know, we've seen sometimes all three of the D2 schools in the schedule. One is an exhibition, two is regular season games. We haven't seen that this year. It's not to say that the, the, the Hawaii schedule is a gauntlet, and I'm not going to pretend that it is. It's not. Um, 
but I also realize that there are the scheduling challenges that that do come into play. But I am, you know, I I am always kind of curious about how it is all put together and how you get to where that schedule is. And and keep in mind, um, this year more than ever, I, I can recall. It took a long time for teams to put their schedules together. You were getting games that were added very late. The Texas A&M Commerce game was a late add after um, after the schedule came out. Uh, and Texas A&M Commerce was a team that was transitioning from Division Two to Division One. They needed games. Um, but you had, you know, after the pandemic, I think schools started to realize, you know, it's going to be tough. We're kind of figuring out our own budgets. We're kind of figuring out our own situations. But as we learned in the pandemic, you can schedule kind of on the fly and make it work. Um, where you know, the excuse of, oh, you know, we schedule two years out and it's kind of tough, you know, in, in basketball, no longer flew. Like that, um, that excuse was gone, right? So, um, it's it's a it, scheduling's never easy, um, and I don't I don't know that I could ever be a good schedule maker. I could always have like the wish list of who you'd want to play and and whatever, but I don't think I could ever be a good schedule maker. But I see where you know Dan Butterly's coming in saying you know we're trying to do these initiatives, and and he's the one that broke. Hey, it's the Big West that helped make the Hawaii UNLV game happen, um, you know, especially with Thomas and Mac Center. Uh, being used for the rodeo. Shout out to uh, to little guy who I saw on my flight on my way out. Like, hey, what are you doing here? Oh, there's a rodeo. Had no idea until going to the practice on Wednesday and seeing literally right outside the Thomas and Mack Center. Like, how do uh, how do how do I put it? Like stall after stall after stall after stall after stall. It was just a lineup of stalls of cattle, of all of the bulls that you would see in the rodeo, all in little, I don't, I can't call them paddocks because I'm thinking of like F1. They're getting F1 in Vegas next year, by the way. They're doing the construction on it. But these little stalls next to each other, right as you are driving in to, to the UNLV campus, just next to each other, here's a stall with a bull, another stall with a bull, another stall. I guess you got to put them somewhere. But I, having never been to a major rodeo, it was um, it was definitely a sight to see for the first time. Just it felt like a hundred stalls of bulls out in the open in the cold Vegas weather next to a parking lot, and that is when I knew, oh, that's that's the rodeo that guy was talking about, and oh. It's at the Thomas and Mack Center. So, oh, that's why they needed a third party to be able to make Hawaii and UNLV happen at uh, the Dollar Loan Center. And now that we've done the interview with Dan Butterly, oh, the Big West helped make that happen. Now I feel like we can close the book on that. We've gotten all sides of the picture and bulls. Um... That's, yeah, that was that's a visual I'll never get out of my head. Um, 
But those games are kind of along the lines. It, it's not a it's not a buy game. Um, it's a game against a quality mid-major. Dan Butterly used to work in the Mountain West Conference. He was instrumental in the Mountain West being a multi-bid group of five league or group of five mid-major league. I mean, football terminology. Uh, the way they scheduled and they played tough opponents and um, their, their conference strength grew. You could get three Mountain West teams into an NCAA tournament at one time. Um, they took scheduling seriously. So that game was, was the kind of game that, yes, Hawaii lost, but that's the kind of game you want on your schedule. You don't want a bunch of the buy-ins, but you get a quality opponent like UNLV. Let's say Hawaii had a, a, another Mountain West opponent. Let's say a Wyoming, for example. Wyoming, not bad. Pepperdine out of the West Coast Conference is going to be a, a, a good Hawaii-like opponent to have on a schedule to start the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic. That's the kind of stuff you're looking for. And, um, again, while it was a loss, it's kind of along the lines of where you like to see a competitive level be. Uh, we'll check on traffic here in just a second. I'm Josh Pacheco. You're listening to the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. You asked for this, texter for the 781. You asked for it. And by the way, I don't totally uh, dislike it. I feel like I have to hit. No, I thought there was going to be there, there was going to be a post to hit there. I guess not. This is the Sports Animals. I'm Josh Pacheco. It is ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 14.20 A. We're, we were going to have Michael J. Duarte. Uh, we're going to move him to... Uh, I guess we'll move him to sometime next week. Reason why is I'm going to say this before my computer dies. Reason why is we've got some developing news here on the stadium. And uh, this is according to Hawaii news. Now, um, Josh green, new governor, Josh green has spoken to Hawaii news now. And, and he did say at one point that, a decision on the stadium would come in his first 100 days. And it seems like we now have that on day five. And I'm trying to skim through this as I'm seeing it. And I'm, um, I'm kind of underwhelmed. First off, I think um, it should be noted that he has given the go-ahead to this project. And it is the public-private partnership is what it appears he is going ahead with. Because um, it's not just the stadium. He's also giving um, movement to the, uh, to the entertainment district. It is noted here in the story by Daryl Huff of Hawaii News Now that the developer partnership was underway in September. Governor Ige halted the procurement process after more than $2 million had been spent on studies, reviews of development team qualifications, and public input. The governor argued the appropriation provided enough to build the stadium without the risk and complexity of the partnership model. Green says the project needs to get underway quickly to reap its potential benefits. Telling Hawaii News Now, and I quote, It's always been my approach to bring the private sector. We don't get anything if we don't begin. We don't get the downstream revenues from retail, 
We don't get the taxes. We get nothing. We don't even get use of the land. Close quote. Um, he also says here, I also want new jobs for people, and I want this to be a venue where people want to travel to internationally. Close quote. One problem. There is one number that feels very short of expectations for me, and two, there is something that is not adding up to some of his words previously. That coming up after we take a look at traffic. This is the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. I'll have a blue Christmas without you. I'll be so blue. Hey Tanner, remind people in the audience who this is. This is Pro Bowl Center Jason <laughs> Kelsey from the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> I feel like uh I feel like I'm at a, a, a karaoke bar with someone who's uh, had a couple of drinks and is feeling really, really confident that they can hit the low notes. But you know what? It's better than going to a karaoke bar and being around someone who's had a couple of drinks and think they're confident enough with the high notes. You take your wins where you can get them. It is the Sports Animals. I'm Josh Pacheco. This is ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM. And 14:20 a.m. All right, let's uh, let's react to what's just kind of coming up in front of us, and I'm, I'm going to have Tanner in here on the conversation because we're both kind of reacting as we're seeing the news here on Aloha Stadium, uh, as reported by Hawaii News Now, who spoke with uh, current or current new governor Josh Green five days into the job, um, and he basically says, uh, "Does Green?" that they're giving the go-ahead to the redevelopment of Aloha Stadium and a surrounding entertainment district, so it means the public-private partnership. Um, They're also talking about the housing, which they brought together uh, people for. Um, They had uh, before – well, they had a process. It was stopped. They met with the stadium authority and cabinet members. Um, They're looking at as much affordable housing as possible folded into the plan – uh, which anticipates, according to uh, Chris Kinimaka, State Public Works Administrator, about 4,000 units in that area, mostly priced for working families. Although, uh, as Chris Hart always says, uh, you try telling people what's affordable housing nowadays, especially here. Affordable is a laughable term, frankly. Um, and Kinimaka said, um, how much affordable housing is included will be up to what developers can finance and still make a profit. Kimaka said, and I quote, that's where we partner with developers and see how much closer we can get to bigger numbers. Close quote. They don't have a cost on water and sewer, uh, but it looks like they are starting the process for proposals. Um, and it looks like uh, they'll get, they're going to get a request for proposals out next month to the three teams that had already been chosen prior to the process being halted by the now former governor, uh, David Ige. Green says he wants to get the request for proposals out. Now, wants to and doing it are two different things. Here's my hang-up. And, and Tanner, I'll get your reaction in a second to what we're all kind of skimming through here. Here's my hang-up. He said previously to taking the job, and we don't know how much the Ige the, the pause impacts this, so I want to make sure that I'm being fair in in saying this. He had said he wanted, as, as we were all kind of thinking, the stadium, whenever it's done, would open up in, you know, in time for the 2027 season. He had said, remember, I, I'd like to get it done sooner. 
kept saying that. Wanted to get it done sooner. Wanted to quicken the process. Green believes the stadium with expansion capability, and I'm holding out those numbers for my next point, could open in 2027. Which basically means, again, we don't know, and I'm going to be fair about it, we don't know if the Ige situation had anything to do with it or if just Green just spoke just to get people on board without truly thinking about the process. Saying, I want to get it done sooner. I want to get it done sooner. I want to quicken the process. I want to cut the red tape. And we're still sitting in 2027. The other part that's got me, remember when we when we first talked about Aloha Stadium, we talked about attendance, and it was such a big thing. 35,000 people, oh no! How can we go from 50,000 to 30,000 or 35,000 people? What does that say? The governor says he believes a 25,000-seat stadium with expansion capability could open in 2027. Not 35,000 or 30,000. And, and keep in mind, too, before Governor Ige halted everything, we had no clue. It was initially 35. I remember that. But that was the talk before we heard anything from designers and proposals. And the last time it was, we have no idea what it's going to be because we don't know what the design's going to be. We just have rend potential renderings, but nothing concrete. Now they're saying, or at least the governor is saying, a 25,000-seat stadium with expansion capability could open in 2027. Green says, without a world-class state, well, the story says, Daryl Huff's piece, for the University of Hawaii, the sooner the stadium can be replaced, the better. Without a world-class stadium, it's tougher to recruit top athletes. All right, Tanner, I'll let you uh, give me your instant reaction. You can text us and call us at 808-296-1420 with your reaction, um, your, your takeaway. My takeaway is, obviously, there's a lot of bad news in that story, but I take that all with a grain of salt. What's the bad news to you? The bad I'm news curious. is 25000 Okay. The bad news is 2027. Yeah. But I'll also say this. With the lack of communication with the public on what Governor Ige, former Governor Ige, wanted to do with the stadium for the last two months, I, don't, I, can't, I can't even think about what the initial time when Ige stopped the process was. Um, we don't know much about what was going to be changed about the stadium beforehand. Right. We really never got much updates many updates about the stadium. Three weeks turned into never. Well, even before that process, it was just kind of in the dark unless it was just brought up randomly by the governor, former governor. So as much as I would like to say I'm disappointed that in the dates that Governor Green did give in 2027 and the seating capacity of 25,000 with, you know, future, you know, uh, expansion available... I don't know how much of that is his initial plans or what he now has to deal with due to the delay and anything else that could have happened in those middle months where we just heard nothing right, right. about the stadium process. So I can start off with that. Disappointed with having to wait another couple more years. Disappointed in the less numbers of seats. 
But I take that all with a grain of salt because at least he's telling us what's <laughs> happening. <laughs> that, Guess that's, what? That's step one. One of, one of the more important questions, at least for us sports fans, for the last, what, he's been in, in office since Monday? Five days now. And it took him four days to address it. He did say first 100 days, so he did. He, he kept that. He kept that, and he's, he didn't wait a whole 99 days maximum to tell him, we'll, we'll tell you guys in another 100 days you know, if we have but, a plan. But you know what? I'm not going to blame Governor David E. Gay in the three weeks. I'm going to blame Mike McCartney because he's the one that came out and was like, yeah, in three weeks' time, um, the governor will come out and share his plans, and Mike McCartney lied. Well, I will say in that three-week time when E. Gay did come out and say something about the stadium, he did also say, we'll let you know in the future what we're thinking of doing. And he never did. Nope. At least that, not that I know of. Or I don't remember seeing any publication of Governor Ige's remarks on his new nothing plan concrete. for the stadium. Just yeah, nothing concrete. And I'm glad that Josh Green, you know, at least stuck to his laurels on you know going back to the the uh, the triple P, the PPP, the private partner, public private partnership. That it's a tongue twister in my brain. It's late. I've been here for twelve hours. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, you did leave for a couple of hours. Yeah, did okay, you at least eat hours. lunch? Yes, I had like a nice little poke bowl. Thank you for asking. Oh, How was your lunch? Oh, I didn't lose a bee. <laughs> I right. love poke bowls. Thanks for that. No problem. I try my best. But, you know, coming back to the process here, <laughs> I am just glad that we're let in on the conversation. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, hopefully that 25K goes up because, in reality, that's probably a round down. Maybe it's like twenty six or twenty seven with an with a thought of expansion. We and Josh Green has said that he wants to speed up the process. He says he wants the proposals to go out within the next month or next month. I I can't remember if it was next month or within the next and, month. And I think in the next and it is months. also holidays season, yeah. so that's also an issue. Yeah. So we'll probably have to wait until what maybe mid to late January to hear whether or not these reports went out or not mm -hmm. but well we've got we've got good reporters in town that will follow up if if those proposals did go out in a month um i'm i'm confident in that i'm i'm hung up on twenty five thousand. i'm i'm interested see i don't i don't i don't want to hear just numbers thrown out like i i want to hear and and this is where i'm still looking for more um, and I and I think this is where when when the number initially of thirty five was thrown out a couple of years ago, man, was it a couple of years ago? That it never felt like there was any true explanation. All right, why are you talking about thirty five thousand? I don't know that it it felt like it was ever truly explained or communicated. Like here, when I read twenty five thousand, even more so, my first thought is why? Why twenty five thousand? Why are we now taking this down 10000 from what was initially discussed to here? Is your point to save money? Is your – I guess it's all up to a developer. It's all, I guess, relative to what a developer thinks they can do. Is it money? Is it money-related that we can't talk about 35000 or 30000 or somewhere in the middle? Is it priority? Um, is, is the priority in this PPP housing or is the priority the stadium? Because remember, Josh Green um, was very adamant when taking this job that housing needed to be involved. So are we talking 25000 because more resources need to go into, into housing and the entertainment district for, you know, 
for money for local vendors and national vendors and all that. That's that's the explanation I'm missing. Um, and and maybe it's something we can reach out to the governor's office and try to get a try to get an explanation for because I think that for for those of us that are are interested and are are in this industry, we'd love to know that. Um, the previous stadium was double the size. So why are we now cutting it in half? Is it because you don't believe 50,000 is necessary? I think you can make arguments for and against that. Um, 25,000, what my... My big thing is I hope you're not building a stadium just thinking about University of Hawaii football in mind. Uh, Because I have always believed that you build a stadium, you have to think about sports as a a tourism destination. So we talk about things like soccer. We talk about rugby. We talk about outdoor events that you can have um, as a vessel that you can use the stadium as a vessel for. Um, I my vision has been: can you can you have a second bowl game? I'd like to see two bowl games, like the past with Aloha Bowl and uh, there was another bowl. I can't remember. It doesn't matter at this point. I'd like to see multiple bowl games. Um, although I realize. Bowl season is going to shrink at some point, and I am worried about the future of the uh, of the Hawaii Bowl. I am I am worried about that with the way the bowl structure is going to be. Um, soccer. I'd like to see a professional soccer franchise, a USL franchise. Uh, I was talking with someone about this over dinner after the game on Wednesday night. If you had ten thousand people, that could go along the lines of uh, you know what you could have for. Um, a successful USL franchise as, as compared to, you know, other USL franchises across the country. Um, but what message are we sending to, to, to go from 50 to 25? Expandable, expandable by how much? Why do you want it to be expandable? Expandable for concerts, expandable for other sports. Like what, what, what do you want the stadium to be expandable for? These are the things that I think, um, I need more of. Um, 2027, I guess I'm not going to get hung up too much on that because at least, okay, he might not have been correct on saying that he he wanted to get the stadium done sooner and it doesn't look like he's going to get his way on that if he's projecting the timeline to still be 2027. I'm not going to get too hung up on that because it could be worse. It could be 2028. It could be 2029. And I know that time is of the essence. The University of Hawaii is certainly depending on this facility. Um, But I want to know where we went from getting this done sooner to all of a sudden now falling back in line with the timeline. These are the communication things. I appreciate the communication. I appreciate going to Hawaii News now and and talking about this. Um, But I feel like I'm missing something. And I feel like anybody with a stake in this venue, after hearing 25,000, probably feels like they're missing something too. Like, where did the downgrade come from and why? That's what I want to know. Uh, your texting calls at 808-296-1420. Our M. Dyer Global scoreboard brought to you by M. Dyer Global. Moving Hawaii into the future on ESPN television. Dallas Mavericks, a 40-34 to lead. 
on the Milwaukee Bucks. 8-13 to go in the first half. Luka Doncic is 16 points and four assists. The game prior to that, um, the Los Angeles Lakers got to overtime against the uh, Philadelphia 76ers and after making a monumental comeback just to get to overtime, lost by 11. 133-122, Sixers over the uh, uh, Los Angeles Lakers, in which we learned a great stat. LeBron James is the longest tenured player on the Los Angeles Lakers roster in his fifth year with the team. Didn't realize that one. Uh, going to the fourth, Minnesota, an 82-79 lead on Utah. 105 to go in the fourth. Pelicans, 121 Suns. Uh, 114, and in college basketball, lone top 25 matchup, number 18, Gonzaga, 75-58 lead on Washington, 39 seconds remaining. That's your M. Dyer Global scoreboard brought to you by M. Dyer Global, always on the move. We'll close things out next. Coming up next, Freddie and Fitzsimmons. We're back on Monday. I don't know. We're going to be here. We're going to be uh, on location prior to uh, call the coach with Iran Gannat. Uh, we're still trying to find out those details, so uh, stand by for that. Uh, we're with you all week next week. Uh, so we're looking forward to that uh, as we uh, get close to the Christmas rush and bowl season and the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic, all those things. A uh, couple of texts on the stadium situation. Texter from the 722. 25000 makes it a second-rate facility, but we have second-rate legislators. Bruno Mars concerts were three sellouts, 35000 apiece. I am at the point I am giving up. This is I, – I don't, I don't blame the texter for that because the messaging has been so bad from the previous governor. I – I'm going to hold out hope for this governor that the messaging is going to be better. But imagine what message that sends to the community that this project that was green-lighted and initially was talked about for 35,000 people and all that, and now we're talking 25 with an expandable option, whatever the expandable option is. Like, I have talked about many times here about transparency, and I have said many times, a project like this that impacts so many sectors, communication has to be key. So when all of a sudden you knock down an initial projection, 10,000 seats, um, there's some explaining that I think needs to be done for that. And you know what? If the explanation has anything to do with realistically getting the project done on time or has to be done with cost, then you know what? Whether it is disappointing or not, I'll accept it. I would accept that. Um, but you can't go, oh, 25000 with an expandable option in the same time frame and not offer an explanation for why the attendance number has been knocked down by, what, a third? That's That's a tad bit disappointing one more text in here uh, uh, no this is a different one I thought I had it here uh, from the 721 who mentioned the Bruno Mars concerts also said 25,000 expandable too small if you ask me I feel the same way but like I said I, I want the explanation um I want a reason as to why 
the amount of money that was put into the project is now, unless it unless they're going to say at some point um, supply issues and all that stuff, cost of goods, inflation. While the same amount of money is going to go to 10,000 less seats, potentially. Uh, don't forget, we've got an important event coming up prior to the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic. It's the Coaches versus Cancer Pauhana Party, December 20th at the Connie Kapila Grill. I'll be there broadcasting live. Come out, support the cause. Talk story with Hawaii head coach Aron Ganat and other participating coaches from the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic. Get your tickets for this great event at hawaiibowlfoundation.org. Our thanks to Dan Butterly, uh, Big West Conference Commissioner. We'll see you on a busy Monday. Enjoy your weekend. You've been listening to the Sports Animals. This is ESPN Honolulu.